Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. This episode of the SickCast is from a live conference titled Guru Tek Bahadur Sahib, The Benevolent Warrior, that originally took place on Saturday, March 27, 2021. Join Harinder Singh as he delves into grandeur and legacy of the Ninth Sovereign from Goya's Ganjanama to Sanapat, Chiri Gursoba. Tell us how you view this 400 Prakash Purb at the Pantik level as well as at the individual level. Sure. So at the Pantik level, I think the answer is very, very clear because the things which are clear and simple, they're hardest to implement. But it's very clear at the Pantic level that our job is to continue the mission of the Guru. That's what Sikhs do. You know, in Gurbani, it says, Guru is the ocean and we Sikhs are the rivers. So our job is to continue the mission of Guru Teg Bahadur Sahib. And what we learn from his life is very clear that our source of strength remains Bani which is articulated for us in Guru Granth Sahib. And his own experiences are available to us, so we need to further those. He also knows that the realities we live in, and he lived in the realities where Amritsar was under siege by the corrupt, um, you know, we call them Mahants at the time. Today we will call them caretakers. How to deal with that, how to create Anandpur at a Makhovar level, and how to create the first diaspora. So this connection is there from the Guru that he created the first diaspora center in Patna, Bihar. So our work is, regardless of whether we are in the homeland or in the diaspora, we must be very aware of uh, who is furthering the Guru's agenda, how do we continue to further the Guru's mission, and that's it. It really is connect to the source through Bani and make sure we remain relevant to the communities we live in in light of the Guru's principles. Thank you. And one of the things that obviously we're doing at the individual level, and also as you've described in the diaspora at the institutional level, we've seen uh, many weaknesses in the institutional engagement to spread the words of inspiration. What can institutions do in a better way to spread the stream of consciousness with their mother sub to the world? Sure. I think the institutions, uh, even, and sometimes we say, you know, these things are related to Western influence or other influence. I want to say I'm speaking this out of any complexes because I operated both in the East and the West, India and America and other places. Even Guru period, we see this institution's job, which we need to revive again, is not to be furthering what is status quo. So if institutions want to be relevant, they need to be thinking about the next things. Guru Tegh Bahadur Padshah did not just continue what Guru Nanak started and the next eight gurus did. He created the next institution. He looked at the relevant issues, whether it had to do with doing mediations in Assam or whether it had to do with answering the call of the distressed Brahmins and the Pandits from the Kashmir. And at the same time, figuring out how to deal with this sort of disharmony and disloyalty within the Sikh community. So institution's job is this not to just maintain the status quo, but come up with the next solution, come up with the next idea, the next institution. And this is how the current generations get inspired because they see that you're not philosophizing the things. 
you are reminding things from history and gurbani so you're relevant to the current scenario so today it would mean this is march 2021 you know what are the issues if the institutions in india they should be taking those in if their institutions are religious they should try to solve some religious and spiritual things so this is what institutions need to do become inspiring by being relevant to all generations beyond punjabi and non punjabiness beyond english and punjabi stuff so the, all the things we have from sexuality to race going beyond them and being relevant to the current times thank you and specifically while we move from the broader institutional impacts that maybe uh, that we can bring along what do you see sikri's role as part of that institutional change and evolution uh it's uh sikri is an educational organization i along with the staff and the leadership uh in as well as other stakeholders in, in which includes sangat members uh, our role remains how do we continuously work on presenting the shabad presenting the tawarikh which are basically the source again in guru granth sahib and the history from a sikh narrative because at the end of the day we are a bridge between academia and community so our work is to look at the great work being done by all sorts of people including academics and figuring out how to present it in a sick form in a digestible in a palatable forms in the vocabularies which are respectful in we are not going to be critical to guru granth sahib but we can be critical to those who interpret it we are not going to be critical to the historicities of the gurus we are not going to be defensive about uh, what the gurus and the sikhs of the gurus did but we must contextualize it we must locate it so that's the role sikri is trying to play with the global audience is to present beyond complexes the ideas of gurbani the uh, the paradigms of sikhi which are based out of ek kohankar which created this one force oneness paradigm and present it to the world and let the world do let the individual do let the organizations do what they want to do with it so uh personally developing individuals and then creating critical thinking in the institutions very well said thank you harinder singh ji now as we move to your talk give us give everyone a flavor for what gave you the inspiration for this talk and um how we can honor that talk in our lives but first let's give us the inspiration and we'll go from there so inspiration for the conference and subset of that for my talk is essentially we want to present guru tegh bahadur patsha based on what he has written himself you know so we have bani available to us everyone knows slok mahalla nawaz but there are multiple shabads and multiple rags in guru granth sahib of guru tegh bahadur secondly then finding the contemporary and near contemporary sources to present historically what happened because there is uh, age of appropriation did not start in the last 10 years it has been going on since the guru periods from the gurunanak onwards people want to present things in different perspectives so our idea is how can we look at the sikh narratives the sikhs who studied this and the sikhs who lived it sikhs who served the guru how do they present these and taking those two elements and presenting it to the larger world so whether we talk about death whether we talk about politics whether we talk about contextualizing this in current indian scenario etc cetera, etc cetera, we wanted to take all those things and bring it in the conference and that's why we call it the benevolent guru and the the topic which i end up choosing the title rather for my talk is actually based on one of the writings of the guru's poet uh, 
uh, where Painand Lal Goa is telling us what Guru Tegh Bahadur is in the line of uh, global uh, sort of what the world calls prophets or the gurus or the devtas or the thinkers or the leaders, whatever word you want to use. So that line uh, which uh, he has written in Ganjanama, and I'll talk more in the, uh, about it later, it's from there. So the, the sultan, the sovereign of the world and hereafter, which means this world and the world beyond. And so that's where I pulled it out of trying to present the grandeur of the guru as well as historical elements of the guru. So we are available from the first primary and the secondary sources, how to get into the realm of what guru is and who best can tell us that uh, uh, than the court words of the guru himself. After such an inspiring introduction, I can't wait to hear your talk, Rinder. The title I have made it is The Sovereign of the World and Hereafter. Now, what I'm going to be doing in this talk is present to you some selections from the writings of the two court poets. First one is Paidandalal Goya, and he has in Persian and Farsi a composition called Ganjanama. So I'll be sharing ideas from there to establish the grandeur of the guru. And Painandalal Goya is a court poet of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, who actually served in the court of uh, Shah Jahan. And Aurangzeb observed him because he was preparing to go serve in the court at Anandpur at Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj when he was leading the Darbar. So that's the individual who's writing this. So he comes from Ghazni, Afghanistan, serves in Agra and ends up serving, preparing to serve at the court of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj. The second person whose writings I'll be utilizing is called Sri Gursoba. His name is uh, commonly called Sanapat, uh, Chandrasan Sanapat, and that's his writing. He writes in Braj, or sometimes called Bridge, which is a precursor to contemporary Hindustani. And where he is writing, when he's writing the history of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, I pulled out selections from there, how he introduces in historical sense what Guru Tegh Bahadur Pasha did. So the idea is, you know, from Guru Nanak period, there was a, what we say, there is civilizational issues were going on from the Hindu as well as Islamic, so Semitic and Aryan. Well, that's another way to look at it. You know, one is coming from the Indus Valley civilization and another writer is coming from Ganges Valley civilization and they come together to serve at the court at the Anandpur. So there is a route to Anandpur here. And that's where I want to focus on through these two contemporary writings. In the beginning, I must say that it is a task. I am just a student of Sikhi. I'm not an expert in any language. So looking at various versions, how people presented them, including the original text, uh, I had to pick one of the texts to work with it, but I can share with you that, uh, that there are three to four versions available of everything, but I'm trying to uh, impress and share upon the ideas behind those. So the first idea I want to pick on is this idea of Sultanate. By Nandalal in Ganjanama, there are two portions when he talks about uh, Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib. First one is in prose, and the title he writes of that prose is Sultanate Naham. Literally, if we translate that, that will mean the ninth sultanate. So you can call sultanate to be whatever you want, kingdom, dominion, domain, whatever you want to call it. But it's a sovereignty idea again. And that's the title he gives. And when he goes to describe that, he ends up saying this ninth sultanate has what I will call today a new constitution. 
And it is the chief among chiefs of the truth exemplars. This idea of truth or haq is very big because he's coming from Islamic ideas. The word haq represents the idea of truth, the eternal truth. And he says, where I got this line from, that sultanul dunya wal akhirat. He is the sovereign of the world and hereafter. And he is the beautifier of the throne of honor and greatness. Look at the words being used, which I'm employing in English to explain this. And look at the grandness of these words. He says, even though the Guru, referring to Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, even though he possesses great divine power, but he still bows his head to the divine will and command. This idea of a great personality like Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib still operates in the command, the hukum, the rasa of the divine. And he is the hidden instrument of the divine splendor and greatness, Jalal. The splendor is Jalal, the majestic ideas. And he's the examiner. This is very interesting that he presents in a being, he's the examiner of the auspicious command followers. Those who follow the hukum, he tests them. And he's the reviewer, a reviver rather, of the impartial principle-driven devotees. So people who are unbiased, people who want to follow a particular principle and they're devoted to it, he revives them. So he's working on the average person who wants to be connected to the divine and he's testing those who are claiming to be the one following the hukum. He's the, the great followers of the divine path and the dwellers of the next world remain steadfast because of his nature, because of Guru Tegh Bahadur's nature, which is based on truth and is the companion of the elevated power. So it's very poetic, it's very majestic, it's very big. And then he ends this prose, the first part of the prose by saying Taj, he utilizes the word Taj. He's the crown of the special chosen lovers, as well as the truth exemplar divine devotees. So this is interesting if you're getting that why this word chosen, because remember it's coming from Islamic ideas, the vocabulary is that, and they have this idea in Semitic traditions where prophets are chosen. So that's why vocabulary sounds like that. But what he's saying is he's the crown of two kinds of personalities in this world. The ones who are special chosen lovers, lovers of the divine in that sense, and also the crown of the truth exemplar divine devotees, those who are average people who are committed to divine, and are devoted to the divine and who live that truth. That's the first part. The second part of, is about the name. So that's the second thing I want to get into from Ganjanama. What's in a name? I personally find this intriguing and I'm always about what does the word mean? What are these letters meaning? So the second part of this prose under Sultanate Naham, the ninth sovereign, ninth uh, Sultanate is, this is how he describes. And by the way, these are Persian letters. Farsi, which is Persio-Arabic. Uh, so when I'm explaining this, I'm explaining the English meaning, but in Farsi, those words and explanations started with that particular alphabet. So he says, his blessed name, Te, Te is, which is letter T, beautifies living in the divine command and will. His Persian Ye, and he writes that Farsi Ye. He says his Persian Ye, which is letter E, exemplifies great complete belief his blessed calf. Now, those of you who know script, uh, Persian Arabic speak, that the calf uh, produces many letters, including gaf, which is what is the letter G. And that's why the word calf is being said, because gaf is born out of that as well. So he says, his blessed calf or gaf, letter G, exhibits his graciousness in humility 
from head to toe. Graciousness in humility from head to toe. And his names Bay, which is letter B, with Hay, which is letter H, ornate the council of knowledge and education. Actually, the word uses mahfil, and mahfil has to be contextualized. It could be entered for entertainment. It could be a court. Here I'm saying it's the council, the divine council. And that's what the, the B and the H stand for. It's the council, which it ornates the council of education and knowledge. And the eternal originated Aleph. Aleph in Islamic vocabulary is where the Allah started and hence the idea of eternal. He says that letter Aleph, which represents A, the long A sound in Bahadur, decorates the faith and the truth. And his infinite wisdom, Dal, which is letter D, rules both worlds, but in a very just manner. And the last ray, which is the letter R, knows the hidden divine ways and forms the foundation of the highest truth. So this is how Painanlal Goya incorporates the Farsi uh, sort of alliterations using their letters and presents the grandeur of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib. And quickly, I want to get into the second part of Ganjanama. This is where, this is the poetic part. And the poetic part, the title he writes said, Vaheguru Jiyo Sat. So the word Vahiguru is employed, and it says very clearly, if you interpret that, it means revered Vahiguru, which is awesome wisdom, is eternal. And in explaining that, in, uh, in those five shares which he put together, you know, he, he actually starts with his name here, where he says, Gurteg Bahadur An Sarapa Afzal. From head to toe, Guru Teg Bahadur is act of kindness. And he beautifully radiates the divine counsel with splendor. So there comes the word mehfil again. Zinat arai mehfil jaho jalal. So from head to toe, Guru Tegh Bahadur is act of kindness. And he beautifully radiates the divine counsel with splendor. The light of truth is illuminated by his auspicious existence. But the worlds are, both the worlds are illuminated by his victorious grace. This idea of both the worlds classically means this world and the world beyond. In Sikh world, it is also interpreted to mean the, the Miri Piri, the political and the spiritual world as well. So the divine chose him from the chosen honorable ones. Again, from Islamic and Judeo-Christian heritage traditions, Semitic tradition. So the divine chose him. Why did he choose him? From who? From the chosen honorable ones. Why did he pick him? Because he, implying Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, experienced to surrender and submit to divine will the best. He's basically saying Guru Tegh Bahadur's experience to, uh, of Taslimo Raza. And this phrase I struggled with initially when I was working on it, I even tweeted this. Some people suggested to me certain things. I got caught up in various interpretations where I looked at what Gandhi Maha Singh is saying, what Pai Veer Singh is saying, Dr. Ganda Singh has written. Uh, among others. And then I eventually said, I'm going to use what the Islamic world understands this phrase, because the phrase is used most commonly in the Islamic world. In Islamic world, I'm putting this in quotation, Taslimo Raza means to surrender and submit to the divine will. So Guru Tegh Bahadur Pasha was chosen from the honorable ones by the divine, because the experience of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib was the best in what? in surrendering and submitting to the divine will. His status was elated to the greatest among the great accepted ones. And through divine grace was hailed in both the worlds. All hands are holding 
onto his hem of grace this idea of hem palla palle jinu uh, is very big uh, dust it, the, the original says daste hamga so the hands are holding this idea is that what do i hold down to in order to feel this grace he says all people all hands are holding to his hem of grace and you see this coming alive in history his voice of truth is beyond the light of knowledge so ilm haq you know so ilm is knowledge is he says all the knowledge is available all the lights uh, all the uh, enlightenments all the knowledges we get they 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 are not as shiny uh, if you are looking for the next knowledge than his voice of truth what we would call today the bani of guru teg bahadur sahab that's what's the next thing so this is where the the three things i was trying to get out of ganjnama was that you know that he's presented as a sultanate the sultan the sovereign and then beauty in the name of guru teg bahadur sahab from farsi alliterations and this idea of taslim aur raza to surrender and submit to the divine will but willfully doing it as a lover doing it not because somebody's forcing you to do it as a choice because i want to love the divine the second thing uh, text which i will share few things out of uh, the idea was that in uh, sanapat's writings i wanted to share that how he's presenting the larger sikh narrative and this is where historical revisionisms uh, need to be countered a little bit because this is written by the court poet of the guru as well who is serving uh, in braj pasha he's writing and he's serving in the court of guru gobind singh maharaj so how does he present what is guru teg bahadur historically in the indian context in the hind context in the taram which has multiple meanings including religion righteousness i'm calling that principles and then he also present to us that gurus are all same this is a running thesis in sikhi and he presents this as well that do not differentiate between guru nanak and guru gobind singh in this case including guru teg bahadur and then how guru teg bahadur physically established institutions in makhowal and developed the legacy uh, started the legacies which and which we see in sahib zades as well so in this selection uh, what i wanted to start with is that again there are varieties there are variations of what has been written depending on dr ganda singh's text and that's the one i am keeping as the basic text and where he says he starts with pragat bhaye guru teg bahadur sagal srisht pe tapi chadar and this someone spent time on guru teg bahadur was revealed to the world and whose domain covered the whole creation and this is very important to understand sagal srisht pe tapi chadar tapi is to cover to provide to protection is the idea to the whole creation srisht and then he explains what does this srisht include and he says karam taram ki jin pat rakhi so he includes the idea of karam and taram you know which are very big in indic traditions and braj language is utilizing this because people of uh, the ganges valley are being brought in to understand what guru is doing and here he says when the the domain covers the whole of the creation and which protects the honor of the karam the act or the deed as well as the taram which is what i'm calling the principle you can call it religion righteousness discipline whatever you want to call so it includes that it is not limited to only the karams and taram but it includes it includes because it's about the larger creation and he says atal kari kal jugma sakhi who witnessed the narrative and 
uh, whose witness narrative became eternal in this dark era, in this ignorant era. So the Guru's fame spread in the whole creation because he did this, which protected all principles. I want to focus on this again. He says, Jete sarab taram bancheo. This is very important to understand. However you want to interpret the word taram, but it says sarab taram bancheo. All principles, whether they're of religious issues or political issues, all principles are protected by Guru, uh, Guru Tegh Bahadur's uh, life history. And he was victorious, who was victorious and victorious in all three worlds. This is the Indic vocabulary of three worlds where you say two world in Islam. In Hinduism, they talk about three worlds, you know, Matlo, this world, the nether worlds and the heavenly worlds. And this is how the Guru protected the honor. And then there's a case study mentioned. So there's a larger thesis of the Guru. He says, how did Guru do this? Did he just talk about it? As the European Enlightenments were talking about, they might defend somebody in descent, but they weren't sure if they could. Well, Guru Tegh Bahadur actually did it. So it actually says then, how did he do it? He says the Hindu forehead mark, uh, the Tilak, sacred third, the Janayu, the religious centers, the Taramsal, they exist eternally now due to the Guru's compassion. So this idea of Satgur Tilak Janeu Artaram Sala. So he completely covers, he says, this is the case study, Guru did it. And Guru did this and after doing all this, he left this world, but they exist. The reason they survived the Kashmiri Pandits and Brahman and eventually the idea of uh, what is now called generally the, the Hindu idea, they exist eternally due to the Guru's compassion. In principle, the Guru departed for the divine abode. The next Guru became known as Guru Gobind Singh. So this, this is very, very important for us to understand that Hindi Chadar is a subset of protector of humanity. Tarandi Chadar is a subset of protector of humanity. Guru protects regardless of their political affiliation, their sexual orientations, their ethnicities, their races, their genders and everything within because Sagal Srishti Paitapi Chadar. Uh, the other idea which I want to quickly uh, present that Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, we understand this about, but Sri Gursopa also says that Guru Tegh Bahadur and Guru Gobind Singh became the emancipator and the emancipation. Just think about this for a second. Look at how it's actually written. It's beautifully written. That Taran uh, Taranam, <laughs> you know, so Glorious victory resounded in the three worlds. The Guru was revealed as the first, as the doer and the deed. The interesting wordplay is very important. Kirya and Karanang. So emancipator and emancipation, Taran and Taranang, and Kirya and Karanang, the doer and the deed. The destroyer of the wicked, the liberator of the truth exemplar, the emancipator of the whole world, and the eliminator of fear. Third time, the, Sanapat stresses this again. So there should be no doubt about who the Guru is protecting. He says Guru is protecting everyone. Sabjagatarana avaharana. Sabjagatarana, the emancipator of the whole world and the eliminator of the fear. And because he did this, even the gods from the Hindu tradition, they proclaimed um, uh, jaya, jaya, jaya. Victorious, victorious, victorious. And they all entered the sanctuary of the Guru. The collection of the Hindu gods and goddesses. This is a one way of presenting the guru. Uh, the two other quick ideas I want to mention, which I shared in the beginning, uh, that in Sri Gursoba, he also makes it very clear that all gurus are the same. And the simple translation 
which I've been doing in these, it says, you alone are Guru Nanak. You alone are Guru Angad. You alone are Guru Amar Das. You alone are Guru Ram Das. You alone are Guru Arjan. You alone are Guru Hargobind. You alone are Guru Har Rai. You alone are Har Krishan. So you might be wondering with the word alone, because there are others who are claiming to be the gurus. And then when he comes to the ninth guru. It's amazing the way he presented it. You know, he says, you became the ninth sovereign. Your power protected the dark era. And then he plays with the words. It's amazing the way he's written. He says, Teg di Bahadur, Jag Chadar, Sab Tuhi Hai. Again, he represents and, uh, and re-emphasizes, Teg, sword alone is Bahadur, warrior, his name, sword warrior. You alone cover, which means protect the whole world. You alone are the 10th sovereign Guru Gobind Singh. You alone came as the divine to liberate the world. So this continuity of the gurus, which is a thesis of Guru Granth Sahib and Sikhi, is very well presented by this court poet as well. And finally, he references Makhowal, which is the name of a village where Guru Tegh Bahadur Parsha set up Makhowal. He bought the space, which we now call Anandpur Sahib. And the beautiful Makhowal is the dwelling place of the eternal guru, he writes, where the extraordinary wonders of Myra divine place in multiple dimensions were seen. So, you know, when we say there were Kothaks, people like to talk about miracles. He says the miracles which Guru Tegh Bahadur did, they are not the magic kind. They are of extraordinary kind, which means he's developing the new kinds of institutions and the new kinds of people, the new way to live, which they eventually the Far uh, Persian chronicles have called it Millate Now, the new nation was being born there. And he ends with the last reference to Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, that many years passed in this ways, which means he spent time in Makhowal and then Guru Gobind Singh also spent time there. Then he left for Ponta, but then he says in one Dohra, and I want to share that because this is the legacy of the Guru, even within his family, as well as for the Sikhs, where he says, blessed, blessed are the sons of Gurudev. Gur is perfection and Dev is divine, which is God's in Hindu tradition. He says, blessed, blessed are the sons of the perfect divine, referring to Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, who had no greed for their bodies no greed for their bodies. Just think about that for a second. I mean, I, I don't even know how to present this at the highest levels because what this is saying is when you have no attachment to your body, then you can become like Guru Tegh Bahadur. Then you can become like the Sahib Zadis. He's referring to the Sahib Zadis. And the, when he's referring to the Sahib Zadis, he says, <laughs> tan tan gurdev sut tan ko lob na keen. They were not greedy for their bodies, which means they were not attached to their physical bodies. And he says, they protected the principle. They protected this taram in the dark era to receive fame from their grandfather, referring to the Sahib Zadis. So that's the beauty of the contemporary writings of uh, Pahinand Lal Goya, as well as uh, Chandrasen Sanapath, who are both court poets of the Guru, who tell us about the grandeur of the Guru who tell us about how to historically locate the guru, to not get caught up in Punjabi politics only, Sikh politics only, Hindutva politics only. We must be able to contain everything. And Guru Tegh Bahadur then rises to this highest level of uh, Sultan ul Dunya Wal Akhirat, the sovereign of the world and hereafter. Vaheguruji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguruji Ki Fateh. Thank you, Harinder Singh Ji. Uh, one of the things I was looking for in the presentation, which you brought out so eloquently, was contextualizing for us 
Siddhi Guru Granth Sahib, Guru Tegh Bahadur Ji's life with Gurbani and with real examples. And you brought all of that forward to us. So thank you very much uh, for that very eloquent presentation. We have uh, many questions from the, Q, uh, from the chat and um, we can move forward. I have some other questions of my own as well for you, for you. So I don't know where you want to get started, but uh, maybe we can begin with one of the things that was presented. I think it's a dichotomy we all face when, re when reading Guru Granth Sahib and our own living our lives. The question first came up is what and how do we understand divine will and the idea of free will and how to do that in the context of a hukam. So please try and answer that question. Sure. Uh, well, we are missing uh, Dr. Ishmeet Kaur. It would have been nice because it was a combined panel, but I will attempt to answer this from the life of Guru Tegh Parsha and his own Bani, because our focus is on him today. We are celebrating uh, the illumination he brought. So it is less really about other things, if you ask me. So within the context of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, he's writing this. He's saying that I have, if you even just study his Slok Mahalla Nawaz, he continuously writes, uh, what does it mean to be free? He has slokes on that. What does it mean to be enlightened? And he's targeting those questions to the mind because these are mind questions, right? At the end of the day, when you live certain things, you have transcended that. He's also asking questions regarding the various aspects of life, what the mind thinks about our childhood or youth, what a mind thinks about people with high networks and large families. So when he's going through that journey, he's saying, I have observed all this. I am witnessing all this at the end of the day what makes sense to me is that there is this idea of ekovankar, lovingly sometimes called Bhagwan. You know, Bhagwan, and he invokes this. You know, is the adorable one, is the fortunate one, where we feel this connection to. And he says, the divine will is when I am able to see the larger connection with everything in the world. When I am not able to see it, I am seeing connections to things, people relationships. So living uh, in divine will is not a harsh or a hardened or sort of a dominating thing in Sikh tradition at all. It is actually when I am coming in connection with, in sync with the larger sort of natural laws, what we call, what I like to call the force, the Kuankar ideas. So our will is not in contradiction to it. We have our own conflictions when we deal with those, when we bring them in line with the larger phenomena around us. Modern Sikhis call the culture of Nam, and Guru Tegh Bahadur Parsha invokes that. He says, what really matters is if you want to come in divine will, and he explicitly answered this as one salok, you know, he says, what remains in this world? So if you figure out what remains, you have come in the divine will. He says, Nam Raheo, Sadhu Raheo, Raheo Gur Gobind. He says the Nam, this idea of Sikh culture, what we call is of Nam, the identity, the existence of the divine remains, existence of the one remains. Sadhu Rayo, Sadhu means Sadhana, the one who is disciplined. In Sikh tradition, the discipline of Nam, the one who practices the discipline of Nam remains. Rayo Gurgobin, the wisdom which is like the divine also remains. So if we want to remain is the next line, practice this. 
So divine will is being coming in connection with, coming in sync with the larger ideas around us, what we now call culture of Nam. And that's what Guru Tegh Bahadur Pacha is presenting as well within his life. He did not fight, for example, he's fighting the issues, uh, but he is very aware of what is happening in South Asia at the time, in Amritsar at the time, within his family at the time. He's looking at what is happening in Bihar, Assam and Kashmir at the time, as well as all its consolidation at the power of Delhi. But he continues with this because he believes he's connected to now. Thank you for that in-depth uh, explanation, Harinder Singh. One of the things that sort of actually brings it right into the next question that comes up, and that is as we um, move into that thought process, that culture of Nam and Guru Sahib's principles that are brought forth in today's world, where humanity is headed, how do we bring that culture of Nam into the essence of our lives and in the essence of humanity today? Sure. Uh, it's a bit repetitive, but I'll get more specific here. Well, we do it by uh, becoming Nam-centered ourselves. So what that means is, again, in the journey of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, let's look at it. You know, he, think about this for a second. This is just for explanation because certain things we can't understand, but the mind needs to understand and it wants certain answers. You know, he was past guruship. He was bypassed. Imagine how we feel when we are bypassed whether at work, whether in our relationships. He fought, his original name is Tyagmal, you know, and he fought battles, the first battles in Sikh history with his grandfather, sorry, with his father, Guru Hargobind Sahib, right? So he is looking at life. He is looking at life. He is being given particular trainings and he is bringing them into his life. So when we are learning about Gurbani, the life of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, when we read the sloks or his Bani, when we study the history and the sources of knowledges of elimination from his life, part of those need to start affecting us. It's a journey. And we have a big journey in front of us. He literally was the second most traveled guru as well. And look at his journey from Amritsar to all over South Asia, more on the Ganges Valley civilization, and then back to Anandpur Sahib and Amritsar, and back and forth from Bihar as well. So in our journeys, we have to confront realities and work in, at our level, we will call it habit changes, but also working on the next agenda for myself and the organizations and institutions and networks we are part of. Great, thank you, thank you very much. I did want to bring, when you mentioned journey, I did want to go into another topic from journey, but somebody else's questions in here, it's very important for us to answer. In the Ganjnama uh, reference that you gave, uh, there's an op description, the opening 11 couplets are an invocation to the guru who raises men to the level of gods, to whom all gods and goddesses are slaves and without whom there is only darkness in the world. In the Risala Dar Aval, Inanak Shadarvish, its account of its martyrdom shares the emperor called Guru Tegh Bahadur to the Deccan. The guru insisted that he's a mere devotee of the god. He also explained that neither his name, Tegh Bahadur, nor the epithet Satcha are used for him to apply his temporal aspiration, and the guru cannot work a miracle. The emperor at the time orders execution. Given these two quotes, how does one reconcile a difference between raising men to the level of gods and yet not accepting the immense power and responsibility bestowed upon him during this temple time? Was it simply Gurdjieff Bader's humility or 
were there qualities of his character in play? So I, I, that's a great question. And I tried to take us through that journey when I was presenting the Ganjanama's two portions. So one is what Guru Tegh Bahadur Parsha himself writes. Second is what the two court poets wrote. And neither of them claimed any of that. So this third reference is coming from others. You know, we say things, you know, we say certain things because we feel like that. You know, I remember when I went to, first time I went to Pakistan in 84, I walked into Dankana Sahib. These Muslim brothers were singing a song saying, well, Now, technically and theologically, there is a tension there. But what is being said is that lovingly certain things get said because they feel this is the rub for us. So my point is the Guru himself, the Sikh writings from the two court poets I mentioned, as well as in Guru Granth Sahib, do not say that Gurus are God. In fact, the writings which I quoted today were saying that in the councils or the honorable ones or the chosen ones which were available to the divine, Guru Tegh Bahadur was selected to go do this on this earth. So I don't see attention from a theological angle, but yes, in some historical texts, that reality does exist. A six, we need to, that's why I need to focus primarily our sources of knowledges need to come from more Sikh writings and more of Guru Granth Sahib writings. Uh, think, thanks for providing the additional detail. As I think in the historical context, as you well know, such a Pasha was used, or Pasha plus other terms were used to describe the Mughal rulers at that time in their own historical uh, uh, terminologies. But as you mentioned, Guru Granth Sahib, that's another question that came up. The, the word Shabad, and what really is Shabad, and similarly Nam, and how are they linked? Uh, this little bit of outside of the scope today, but I would invite the, the individual who has asked this and to all audience to look at our project called Guru Granth Sahib. It's app.gurugranthsahib.io. We actually get into the details of this because there are many contexts of these words. But in generic sense, the simple answer is this. Shabad has many meanings, but at the highest level, the meaning is the wisdom, which we are calling the infinite wisdom, which is really for the mind when we are trying to learn the knowledges. And Nam is the existence of the Ekovankar, which really is for the heart for us to live. So they come together in the Sikh world and somebody had written this and I also feel this and I actually presented, I said, you know, you can look at us being the two contemporaries who were writing 100 years ago uh, and even now. So I, I actually said Harinder Singh Mahbub is really the writer who explores the Shabbat. And when I read Paiveer Singh and Professor Puran Singh, they explore Nam. And that's the thing. Certain things feed certain faculties of mind. Certain things feed, something feeds mind as well as beyond mind. But I invite all of you to look at that where we explore these two words in various contexts uh, within Guru Granth Sahib. Thank you, Arindar Singh. Uh, one of the questions that popped up was uh, the geopolitical impact of Guru Tegh Bahadur's uh, martyrdom. Did Guru Aurangzeb stop the forced conversion of Hindus? And the second part is, did he not see the 10th Guru as a big threat because he let him flourish for some time? We have other speakers who will be covering the politics of the Guru as well. So in the context of the two things where I was referring to what the Guru did, the, the, the second uh, text uh, of Sanapath, 
uh, it very much is showing that this is a political issue. This is why, you know, when Guru Tegh Bahadur Pasha is introduced, he's actually introduced as being someone who's working on, who's a emancipator and emancipation, who is the deed and the doer. And when it says he is great with the sword, but he's great with the sword for the whole world. Absolutely. Uh, there is uh, this thesis of states being threatened, the empires being threatened are always there. That was perceived in the case of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib as well. Um, so the whole Sikh thesis is that we have had tough relationships with every state and we will continue to because we are not aligned permanently with any political or spiritual power. We are permanently only aligned according to Guru Granth Sahib and we see this in the lives of the gurus only with ikkovankar. Hamra tada, tada is a Punjabi word. It comes in Gurbani. Ham harsankiya. Our only permanent alliance is with ikkovankar. Every other alliance is based on the issue, based on the project, based on the struggles. And this is why you will see, even in the case of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, even when a one Rajput king wants a particular mediation with the king of Assam, who actually reported to Aurangzeb, he has no problem doing that. In fact, he does it. He mediates them because he's not going to hold something against someone because in a particular space in Rajasthan, he was aligned with Aurangzeb. So gurus went into that nuancing. Gurus did not see, and he writes, Guru Tegh Bahadur, friends and enemies are alike. Well, they are alike, and this is how they are alike because you do not hold any biases. And this is one of the things I cited today that Guru Tegh Bahadur is reviving the unbiased, the impartial ones who want to be the devotees of the one. And that's one of the strengths of the guru. Impartiality. Uh, that's, that's really an important lesson for all of us today who can have our own biases. Um, a question that came up, this is again another dichotomy in Sikhi and in life. What's your view or perspective on the fact Guru Tegh Bahadurji abides by the concept of a householder, but at the same time in his body, many times he advises detachment from one spouse and children. So please uh, provide that context for us for a better understanding. Sure. So another one of the presentations today will be touching upon themes from Slok Mahala Nama. And I, I hope you will get insights from there. But the, it's not a dichotomy in Sikhi. I appreciate the question, but I want to make it a little bit more clearer. Sikhi does not have dichotomies. I do. We may. So in that, it actually deals with it very well. It talks about attachments. It talks about uh, how to deal with our various attachments, not just in relationships, but our own prides. Eventually, it's about the pride. And in the, in the two uh, references I did, in one of them, it actually covers that. In fact, um, today's hukum when I woke up, uh, again, you know, Gurbani uh, comes for, to us from various individuals, contributor gurus and pagats and six. Today's is not by Guru Tegh Bahadur, but it answers this. He says, if you're looking to get rid of Sahasa and Dukh, you know, Sahasa is these sort of uh, fears or doubts and Dukhs, which are the pains and the Pooks, which are the hungers, you'll have to do something else. The problem we are caught up in, as I understand it, which is a global population, that we eventually don't know what matters most. It doesn't mean other things don't matter. And when you only work on what matters most for you, then that's what you get. 
if what matters most to you is a particular spousal relationship or a particular job, a particular house or a particular political position, then that's what matters most to you. What Guru is saying is what matters most to me and to the six needs to be is a kovankar. And everything else then comes in line with that. And even if they don't, this is the cost of it, which happened in the Guru period. Many of their siblings did not get along. They, in fact, conspired to get them killed. Guru Tegh Bahadur Parsha, the hitman was hired to assassinate him. So the clarity needs to be in is what, is what matters most to me, which alliance matters most to me, which relationship matters most to me, which institution building matters most to me. Thanks for the clarification. Obviously, uh, when I mentioned the dichotomy it, uh, in the world, we live in a world of paradox. We have that within ourselves. When you have the your title of your presentation, Anderson, was Benev Benevolent Warrior, what do we struggle with as, as humans every day? Malevolence. Benevolence and malevolence are something within us and in our world outside of us that we struggle with every day. And Guru Tegh Bahadur to me gives us the opportunity and the pathway on how to move towards benevolence and away from malevolence. And one of the ways he did that is through humility. What I wanna ask from you is lessons from Guru Tegh Bahadur's life and contextualizing that with Guru Granth Sahib on the lesson for humility. That was his first name as well. So we can bring that essence of humility to a better consciousness for ourselves. Excellent cue. So in one of the uh, citations I did, he was actually presented twice as being somebody who from head to toe is gracious in humility. So this ability to be a great warrior, this ability to be a teagmal, a renunciator, not of the world's paradigm, renunciator of what we in Sikh tradition call things which distract us from the divine. The one who was able to set up a parallel center to uh, Sri Harmandar Sahab complex at Anandpur, the one who's able to set up the first diaspora center at Patna, look at the accomplishments. And the humility is, this is all yours. And this is that slavery, quote unquote, uh, sentiment which was cited earlier as well. This is the willful, I am yours. It's like slavery sometimes gets caught up into this, uh, if you only have a Western confined uh, lens to it or a political lens. It's when actually individual says, I am yours. I adore you. This is what Guru Sahib is writing. So the humility comes in when the sense of accomplishment occurs at a human level. At the guru's level, you can, I just highlighted few and you will hear more from other presenters. When at my level, then there's a sense of accomplishment. Is it really me who did it? If the vocabulary matters, the intent matters and how you share that sentiment with your groups and subgroups and the people of the world, everything matters. So it is not, and this, is, this has been in the six. Uh, you see this coming in the larger Sikh community you see this coming when every day sick in the name of the guru is at the farmer's protest, which has now become a farmer's moment in whichever capacity as a writer or as a lunger provider or trying to do mediations. So I think that sense is in the sick psyche. 
these two riders who i try to bring in more is to bring those more clarities that if we are getting distracted by too many pieces of information which might not be as clear about who the guru is let's become more clear and part of becoming more clear is that regardless of our accomplishment can we from head to toe sarapa that was the phrase from head to toe become an embodiment of humility and that is a sign of being gracious as well which was articulated by paindandalal goya very good thank you for that answer and as you mentioned during the your answer one of the words you used was distraction and an individual who didn't have distraction was makran shah and he also gave us the journey to the guru i want you to provide us a a context of that journey and away from distraction to achieve, reaching the guru great um here is one way to look at it makkhan shah lobana was distracted earlier as well when he didn't know who the guru was but he knew that he needed the guru's help guru's protection i'm going to come back to the srishtadi chat petapi chatar the guru is protecting everyone but do i have the relationship to even acknowledge or realize who the guru is but once that once that clarity came he's the one who declared to the world no there are many pretenders i have discovered the guru so the desire is like us who are distracted we do have a desire every day sikh non sikh punjabis non punjabis you know sometimes we reduce this people have the desire to be with the wisdom with capital w in this case embodied through guru tegh bahadur sahab and we want that but we are distracted and sometimes we get clarities in those distractions and when we do have the clarity we must seize that we must not remain distracted we must become focused we must proclaim what the guru did and when the time comes when the delhi was so unkind to the six including to guru tegh bahadur sahab even then there was enough clarity that everything can be given in the name of the guru as did you know one picked up the head of the guru because the head always belongs to the guru state cannot take it head has your thought and head has this submission to the one so one sikh have the clarity and we will today call the guts the love no fear enthusiasm all these things which we have been talking about that he picked up the head of the guru and took it to guru gobind singh maharaj in anandpur sahib and another one said my house is totally worth to be used to do the last rites of the guru which state is not allowing that's the clarity we all want this clarity i deeply believe this everyone wants it regardless of our labels and how we look we do and when that comes there comes a moment when there is no calculation that's where the love toward the guru comes in and we see this in the life of the guru tegh bahadur and certain six thank you for the enlightening answer harinder uh everyone in the chat has also appreciated it i do want to bring you back to something you mentioned during this answer and that's also come up several times already in both presentations as well as in the chat room and that is taram di chadar hindi chadar srishti di chadar and the protector of all and provide us the context to better understand that protector of all both from the guru tegh bahadur's level and guru granth sahib's level sure one of the larger sikh thesis is that the gurus are jagat gurus 
their world perfection divine wisdoms and we see this in the life of guru tegh bahadur as well so the original sources when it came down to what happened in 1765 because a historical thing i'm going to put it in that context what happened in and what is the narrative of what happened in 1765 in what we now call uh, the spot where the gurudwara sees can sahib is so the original court poets are writing that guru is protecting the humanity guru is protecting the creation and within that creation guru is protecting the individuals who even practice a particular karm or particular taram and then he goes back to reemphasize sanapat it is because he's using the vocabularies of what i was calling the ganges valley civilization the braj the what is today's hindustani's predecessor 200 years ago everyone wrote like this and when sanapat is writing he says guru is protecting that as well so the narrative gets changed or not as get not a, is not as clear when you know when people like me write we have a limitation i i have not seen the guru i have not visualized the guru i read couple of books i have no relationship with the shabad or not enough of a relationship then i will end up using some other vocabulary even in my good interest or good intention something which reduces the grandeur of the guru or the legacy of the guru so i look at as being the original sources are providing the contemporary one that guru is the protector that covers the humanity and then later day 100 years later 200 years later they become more taram and hind so taram is important yes guru is protecting taram original source mentions it but what is taram it is not just religion or just the religion of the hindus it is anything and everything which a particular ideology or its followers and adherents are practicing so it's the principle guru is protecting and guru is protecting that with everything as well and in protecting that idea of taram even if you take it in a very common sense of its religion are you telling me that guru tegh bahadur is not going to protect it who don't believe in uh, idea of religion or atheists or agnostics or gnostics no of course not that's what this is saying and then the hind each other there's a geopolitical reality of it the hind word gets used in multiple context it is not used in any of these writings it comes in much later maybe 200 years later but we understand that it means protector of hind al hind word in persian writing is used for south asia as well subcontinent of india you know hind in political hindutva hinduism is now reduced to hindutva or the hindu nation idea it is not talking about that it is talking about that while protecting humanity different principles which people practice including the religion of the hindus guru did protect them as well against the atrocities or forceful conversions of brahmans or pandits from kashmir so that's the uh, larger sort of a way to look at it at the end of the day i will actually repeat that line and let me just find that very quickly if i may because those lines are very very important you know when guru tegh bahadur patshah has introduced when nami patshah in that thesis he says tegh बहादर जग चादर सब तू ही है सो इवन आफ्टर एक्सप्लेनिंग दर्ल्ड इट इज नॉट जस्ट फॉर धर्म इट इज फॉर द वर्ल्ड 
it's for the creation. And that is the Sikh thesis. Wherever we live, wherever Sikhs have gone, I mean, even in America, you know, we are fighting the battles 100 years ago and we continue to. Hopefully we get more inspired from the life of the gurus. How to deal with institutions and states and different alliances. What happened in Georgia today? What is happening in Delhi? Well, you know, we must know how to confront these reality. So guru is not reducing it to particular ethnicity or religion or groups of people. He's creating a new millat, the new nation, which has a new constitution. And this is the new constitution, which is the Guru Granth Sahib. And that new constitution is our charter. It is not just scripture. And that charter starts with Ikkovankar. There is only one creative and pervasive force. And we are going to be those Jedi warriors who are going to feel the force and amplify this force. As, as a benevolent warrior, and as some of the Guru Granth Sahib references you've given today, one of the questions to put that in context during the life of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, and especially during his inter, uh, imprisonment and martyrdom, the issue of miracles, and it's also beyond Guru Tegh Bahadur Ji, comes up in, in Sikhi in many ways. Help us understand uh, Guru Granth Sahib, miracles, and what happened in Guru Tegh Bahadur's life, please. Sure, this miracle idea, I, I'm glad you mentioned this because you know we get caught up in fascination. What is miracle? It's fascination. In the in the in one of the lines which I cited from Sri Guru Soba, actual line is uh, that one guru is in Makhowal. What is he doing there when he's staying there? He says, "Lila anek anek bit. Lila is place, the divine place. Anek anek bit of various kinds with various methodologies. Kotak karat The word is kotak. This is a Sikh vocabulary. Kotak is not magic. Kotak is something." which we are not able to explain how it happened. It is just, it's against all odds. And this is a very important word for us to understand in secondary Sikh texts. And even in the primary, when Guru Granth Sahib, the word Karamat is used, it was used to describe Guru Ramdas, that the Karamat became that somebody who was orphaned, somebody who had nobody with him and no training, ended up becoming the uncontested leader of the Sikh nation, who we call Samrat Guru Ramdas, which is Guru Ramdas Sahib, right? So the word in Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib's context is also that he is not here to do magical displays. The magic of the Guru is that the Guru himself did extraordinary things and developed the next uh, people who, who I like to say people like me who are, who, who are Padawans, but not yet Jedis, you know, who's developing uh, the next ones to do extraordinary things, to do the next things, to find the solution which the world is waiting for in a particular reality. That is the Kothak. And Guru's Kothaks are amazing. Uh, the the Godmen and their miracles is not part of any of the Gurus. Sometimes we struggle to explain those. It is okay to use metaphors and it is okay even if some believe there were those things. But what there is no disagreement on is that Guru did extraordinary things, which we just have no words to explain and no logics to explain. Thanks for the clarifying and enlightening answer, Hinder. The Kata, Kala, those are things we will always be um, experiencing when we feel the Guru. And we want that. And that's always, that's a challenge for us because as humans, we are always in that dichotomous stage of malevolence 
without benevolence. You are listening to SickCast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.